management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all of God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? How are you doing? We can give praises to the Most High. When we say hallelujah, which is the highest praise, We are giving God our all. And isn't that the best? Because when you just raise your hands and say, hallelujah, Jesus, it takes care of everything. It covers all the praises and thank yous that you could possibly give to him. 
I just love that because sometimes we get stumped. Sometimes we get caught up in, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. Should I stand this way? Should my hands be facing outward, upward, downward, sideways? Just raise your hands and say hallelujah. That's all you have to do. Don't raise your hands. Just say hallelujah. Once you say that praise, you are giving God all the glory. It's that simple. We make things so complicated. As Christians, we make things so complicated. And don't get me wrong. Trying to live the life of a Christian can be complicated within itself if you don't understand all the, you know, all the ins and outs of what it is. Because we're worldly, right? We were born in sin and iniquity, right? So everything we do is a transformation. We're trying to take on being a new person. So in doing that, that's already difficult, especially if you're fighting against the tide. Then trying to understand everything in the book, that could be difficult unless you pray for the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. But when it comes to giving him praise and worship, that is the simplest thing that you can do. Just say, hallelujah. And if any of you have missed any of my shows, you can catch them on, you can find them on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, which is the mother station that I'm broadcasting from right now. You go to my show page, What Would Kay Say? My archives are on that page. And you can also find them on all other podcast platforms. So now, of course, you know, I always have to start you guys off with a question because I always want to ask, you know, Actually, when I ask these questions, it's not even that I'm looking for you to give me an answer, but just ask yourself the question. A lot of times when I give you questions, it's more so for you to ask yourself the question and answer it yourself. However you feel, whatever answer you come up with, it could either help you or not either way, but it gives you something to think about, which is what I love to do because I'm always thinking about things. Some people say I think too much, but I, I don't think you can ever think too much. So, did you know that there are Christians that are just completely satisfied with just only going to heaven? And we've talked about this before. Some people were only worried about getting into the kingdom because they didn't want to go to hell, right? You know, back in the day, they would always talk about, oh, if you keep sinning, you're going to hell. You're going to burn for eternity, which is still true. Don't think that because I'm saying it in that voice that it's changing the truth. That is still true. So with that, a lot of people were like, oh, well, if I just get saved, I'll be fine. Mm, not exactly. Yes, if you get saved, you'll be fine. But when, but when you say get saved, what does, that, what does that mean to you? Are you really giving your all to God? Because if you're giving your all to God and you're surrendering to accept salvation, then it shouldn't just stop there, right? It shouldn't just stop there. It should go into fulfilling your purpose, finding out what that is, using your talents and gifts that he gave you from birth for the work of the kingdom. 
which would directly relate to the rewards that you'll receive when you get to heaven. Now, let me ask you, are, and were you guys even aware that there's rewards to be gotten when you get to heaven? Hmm. That's a topic for another show. Today, we're not going to deal with that because I don't want to get you to the end without taking you from the beginning. Because once I say rewards, then everybody's ears perked up because everybody wants, everybody wants to receive something. I don't care who you are. Everybody wants a gift. Everybody wants something. Give me, God bless me. God, give me this. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, do, 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 do. That's all we say, right? So as soon as I said reward, it's like, what? I get a reward? Let me find out what she's talking about. No. Before we get to the rewards, we're going to talk about what you should have been doing to get there. What you should have been doing to receive that. That's like being at work. You hear they give you bonuses. You just get hired and you hear you get a Christmas bonus. <gasps> I get a Christmas bonus. Child, I can't wait till I get that because when I get that, I'm going by. Could you start work first? Can you start work? Can you put into the company first before you start looking for a Christmas bonus or a mid-year bonus or whatever performance bonus, whatever they call it these days? Can you do the work first to get to that? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to discuss how do we relate when we finally believe in Christ and what he's done for us? How do we handle the interaction of the new you, which is the reformed you, and the old you that you keep trying to keep in check? I have this little joke that I say with my friends when, (laughs) and this is, and let me tell you, like I always say, every message that I give you guys, trust and believe. It's a message for myself as well. He does not give me messages where it's like, "Mm, tap, tap, tap. You're not just giving a message. I want you to listen to this also. So when I said the part about dealing with the old you that you're trying to keep in check. I have this joke that I say to my friends. When something happens and it will, I'll say, step on my last nerve. I always say, why do they keep going to that closet to pry that door open? Because I already know who have locked up in that closet. I know who's locked up in that closet and I do not want her out. But there's sometimes when people just they're like, where's the key? Because I just want to I just want to get in that closet just to. And they really don't. So today's topic. Maturity has nothing to do with numbers. Right. So now let's start off. Of course, you know, I'm always going to go to Webster or Miriam Webster or sometimes Wikipedia or even sometimes Oxford. But. Mature, the meaning for mature is having reached the most advanced stage in a process. So keep that definition in mind when we're talking about everything that we're talking about today. And how many of you are aware that no matter what age you are, 12, 30, 50, 70, that you could not be a mature Christian? And don't look at the 12-year-old as not being mature and the 70-year-old as being mature. 
And did you also know that you could, could have attended church for years? You know, those people that back in the day that always wanted to say, when you say, oh, if you just invited them to your church for a program, oh, would you like to, you know, come to my church for a program? We're having a whatever program it is, Women's Day, I don't know, healing. Oh, no, I know everything about church. I grew up in the church. My grandmother took me, my aunts and uncles and this and that and the other. But do you know, for as many Sundays as they warm that pew, they could still not be a mature Christian? Yeah, I said it, right? Because when you think about it, being a mature Christian, you would know how to treat your neighbors. Right? Being a mature Christian is not predicated on how long you've been a Christian. Because you could have given your life to Christ years ago. But like I said, there's some that were just interested in just making it in and not going to hell. So being a mature Christian is not about how, air quotes, churchy you appear to be. Being a mature Christian is not how many degrees you received from seminary school. That only proves that you know how to study and take tests. Being mature, spiritually mature is based on how closely you walk as Christ walked when he was here on earth. How much of Christ is shown through the life that you live. It's about your holiness, and it's about do the things that hurt God's heart hurt your heart? Being spiritually mature is being able to understand that we are all connected to one another, every human being from all walks of life and all cultures, from all denominations, we're connected, we're diverse, and we're unique. But it doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning. Because like Christ said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? So that would be understanding people for who they are. But it doesn't stop there. So don't think that because, oh, I accept everyone. I don't have any malice or any ill thoughts towards anyone because we're all God's children? No, you're not supposed to have any ill thoughts. But there are still rules and regulations that we follow in the church. Because Not even just the church. Let me clarify that. Rules and regulations that we follow in the kingdom because it's God's truth that we are living by. Right? So it has a lot to do with more than just how we interact with one another, how do we react to adverse events? Like when something happens, like when I said people just want to step on that last nerve of yours. Are you quick to grumble, mumble, and complain? But if you're grumbling, mumbling, and complaining, are you taking the issue to God afterwards? When you're doing your grumbling and your mumbling, are you saying it to God in, in, um, as the whole prayer, you know, 
your whole conversation talking to him. And then you understand that God is the one that can solve your problems. How is your speech? When you open your mouth, what comes out? Are there words of praise and encouragement? Or are it words of cursing and despair? So let's go to the scriptures and see what the scriptures say about us being a mature Christian. And we're going to start out with James chapter 1, verses 2, 12, and 26. And now today I'm reading from the Amplified because I want everyone to get a clear understanding of what it is that I'm saying. So we start with James 2, chap, we start with James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Three, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Now, I always used to have a problem with this. I used to have a problem with this scripture. And that's how you know that you've matured too. When certain scriptures just rubbed you the wrong way and probably because it's something that you didn't want to deal with within yourself. And that's usually the case. Usually if you read a scripture and it's rubbing you the wrong way, dive a little deeper into it to see why does this scripture bother me so much? And this scripture used to bother me. Because I was like, what do you mean considerate joy when I'm going through hell? Because that's exactly what he's saying. Consider it nothing but joy whenever you fall into various trials and assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. But when you're new and you're trying to get things together and people just keep, and sometimes it's not even people, sometimes it's yourself. Sometimes it's the things that you keep doing that annoys the heck out of you. When you come to the point where you learn from the trials, and that's what, that's why every trial that you face, and you can only look at this when you get to a certain, when you get to a certain point and you do learn, and that's how you know you're maturing. When something happens, you're like, okay, God, what is it that you're trying to show me here? Instead of, Oh, I can't believe this is happening again. Blah, 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 blah. When you're like, okay, let me just understand why, why are we going through this again? Why am I going through this again? And yes, sometimes your first reaction would be one of being annoyed. But then when you take a deep breath and really look at the situation, it is going to produce endurance. Because in life, we are going to have trials. We are not going to escape any trouble in this life. And to tell you the truth, becoming a Christian, to me, gave me more, gave me more problems. And it's not maybe that it didn't give me more problems. It just means that I was more aware of the problems that I was already having. Because when you're in the world, you're not paying attention to problems. You're just like, oh, that just happened. I'll just skip on over here to the next thing. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, I'll just drop that and go to the next thing. But when you're in the kingdom and you understand order, you just don't drop stuff and go to the next thing. 
you figure out how to work through what's giving you the issue. And that's how you get the endurance, which leads to the maturity. And it does give you that inner peace because when you are able to work through a problem using the word, knowing the truth, knowing what the Holy Spirit is going to bring back to your remembrance because God did rescue you, not maybe from the same exact issue, but from an issue and you know that God is able, it gives you an inner peace. It gives you a chance to calm down and relax because you know all the fronting that you're doing is not going to, it's not going to change anything. So James lets us know that when we encounter our problems, that we're gaining the experience to move us into maturity. And that makes perfect sense, right? And then afterwards, how many times have you gone through something only to look back and say, hmm, now I understand why that happened. Whether it was for good or bad, you have a better understanding of why that happened. And when you have an understanding of why something happens, that pushes you towards maturity as well. So going through difficulties, it prepares you for your next steps in life, right? Nobody wants to have problems and difficulties in their life, but when you learn how to work through them and what the scripture also tells us, that God can take everything and work it out for our good for those who are called according to his purpose. So God will use everything, our good, our bad, and our indifferent, all to bring it together to give him the glory. So now when we go down to verse 12, James emphasizes that very thought again. Blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God, is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. For when he has passed the test and been proven or passed the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which is the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now that's the, that right there is talking about the reward that I had touched upon, but we're going to go into that deeper in another in another show. Because like I said, I'm not giving you the goods until you put in the work, right? We're not getting that productivity bonus because we haven't done any work yet, right? So here we are in verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, scrupulously observant of the rituals of his faith and does not control his tongue but diludes his own heart, this person's religion is worthless, which is futile and barren. So here, this is where James is talking about what we say. And remember what I, I said in the beginning, when you open your mouth, are you giving praises and encouragement or are you cursing and causing despair? So here James is telling us that if you can't control your tongue, and that's the hardest thing for some of us to do, myself included, sometimes I have to catch myself. Yeah, I, yeah, me, 
sometimes I have to catch myself because I'm like, wait a minute, because you, you, your mind just so quickly goes. And that's where it comes into also renewing of the mind. But a lot of times how we can control our tongue is to stop before we just blurt anything out. Take a deep breath and think about everything that's going on so that you can formulate your words properly. And sometimes some words just don't need to be said. I know there was a period where God had shut my mouth to everything. Because no matter what was said to me, I had an answer. No matter who it was, I had an answer. And there was a period where God was, no matter what anybody says to you, you don't open your mouth. Because when I didn't listen to him and I opened my mouth, it made the situation worse. So after going through that and seeing how not following the directions and being obedient, it made the situation worse. I've now come to the part where somebody will say something or something will happen. And depending on what it is, because not all things you have to shut your mouth to, but there are some things that you really just don't have to say anything to it at all. And most of the time I'll just sit there and I won't say a thing. Even though in my mind, I'm like, girl, you know, you could have really gave a stinger with that. But then it's like, why? Because all you're going to do is make the situation worse. So this is what James is talking about, controlling your tongue. When you take the time to think before you speak and react, that shows a level of maturity and how you're progressing in understanding that, remember he said, life and death is in the power of your tongue. Who are you Who are you giving birth to and who are you killing when you open your mouth and say certain things to people? That we have to think about. So all these things will help you in your process of becoming a mature Christian. All of these things, what James was saying, And now also what Paul said in Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, I'm going to read from verse 12 to 16. And I'm going to give a little, I'm going to actually start from 11 because 11 lets you understand where he comes to talking about 12. In 11, he says that Jesus gave the gifts of apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers so that it would equip and perfect the saints for the works of service and to build up the body of Christ, right? Until we all become one. But with that, starting from 12, where he's saying how it fully equips and perfects the saints, he's saying that until we all reach oneness in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become a mature believer, reaching to the measures of the fullness of Christ. Those those gifts, those offices were given to help the saints move into maturity. So when you think about it, when Christ 
came back to show us how we should how we should respond being Christians. Then he put people in certain offices to help us move into that maturity level. When you see someone that's has gone to church for years and they never want to move past the point of where they are. Could it be that the people that were put in these places the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Could it be that they're not doing their job to the fullest? Sometimes can we always put all the onus on the individual as being a Christian? And don't get me wrong. Yes, you should be able to read your Bible on your own, pray to God on your own, have a relationship with God on your own. But if you're going to a church establishment, shouldn't you be looking to get something out of going there? Shouldn't you be expecting to get a better understanding or some clarity when you're sitting under that particular leader? So sometimes, sometimes it's not just the Christians themselves that are just warming the pew. Sometimes it's the leaders that's not giving them the information that they need that's going to spearhead them to go further in their journey to become mature Christians. Because if I keep feeding, oh, sorry. If I keep feeding you milk, then you're going to be satisfied with milk. If I give you milk as a baby, and even, and see, this will even show you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Even a baby, after a while, wants more than just milk. Even a baby. Because you give that baby a bottle, and they're like, okay, this one eight ounces is not enough. First, you start them out with like four ounces because they're small. Then you increase to eight. If you just keep giving a baby only milk, only liquid diet, you would be feeding that baby how many bottles per feeding? It would be they're drinking like 24 ounces in one feeding because they need to be full in order for their bodies to grow. Same thing as with a Christian. If I keep giving you milk, oh, uh, all the good things, all the good things of, oh, God is going to bless you. Oh, God is going to make a way. Oh, God is love. All those things are true. But if I don't give you applesauce, or cereal, something that you really need to go through and digest, how are you going to grow if I don't give you the difficult, if I don't give you the difficult scriptures to understand that God is more than just, oh, he's just loving and happy and, you know, he just wants everyone to be happy. Yeah, he wants you to be happy, but he also wants you to follow what he says in his word. And there's a lot more in his word than just, oh, God is all love. Right. But I think with that, I'm going to let you guys have a little break and then we're going to come back and finish talking about what it means to be a mature Christian. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. What Brooklyn sounds like. Let's see. Let me just give something just to give a little break. Right. OK, here we go.
just like you. I wanna talk just like you. Lord, keep my eyes on you. Take up my cross just like you. Lay down my life just like you. Lord, keep my eyes on you. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. But before we go into Op-Ed, I want to let you know the songs that we heard. Of course, you know we started off our show with Making Changes by Grace. Then we heard from, I'm sure you recognize those two voices, When We Believe by Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. And we just heard No Turning Back by Stephanie Gritzinger and Leland. So now I want to continue in what we've been talking about because I want to tell you why it's so important to be spiritually mature. Because what good is it to be something and you don't know why you need to be something? And it's not all because of the rewards that you get in heaven. That's not that's part of it, but that's not all of it. The first part of why you want to be spiritually mature is so the way you function here on earth before you even get to heaven. Because in being mature, it, where is it? Let me go back because this I'm still in Ephesians 4, 12 to 16. The reason why he wanted us to be fully equipped is so that we would become mature believers and reaching the measure of fullness in Christ, right? And the reason why he wanted that is because he no longer us no longer wanted us to be like children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine and or by the cunning trickery of unscrupulous men by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. So the reason why you have to be spiritually mature is because you need to be able to discern when people are trying to get over on you. That's all that in a nutshell. Because when you're acting like a child, when I said about the milk, the milk is not going to sustain you. You need more to be able to understand how to maneuver in the world. Jesus said the children of the world are smarter than the children of light. And what made him say that was because when you look at people that are in the world, they will do whatever, however, to whomever to get what it is that they want. And I'm not saying that Christians need to be like that. But you need to be able to discern when they're trying to do whatever to whomever for whatever when it's you that's the target. Because remember, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. So if you're not mature in the word, know what to stand on, know how to combat him when you're having that spiritual warfare, which I tell you all the time, we're in it daily from the time you open your eyes in the morning, you are engaged in spiritual warfare. And that's just the way it is. I know it doesn't sound happy. It doesn't sound pretty. And it's not something that you really want to think about. But if you don't think about it, that's how you get caught up in half this, the mess 
that you might get caught up in because you're not aware of what's happening around you. So if you know that as soon, and when I say you're engaged in spiritual warfare as soon as you wake up, I say that because as soon as you wake up, thoughts come to your mind. And unless you wake up saying, hallelujah, Jesus, the first thing that may pop into your mind is, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it might be. I don't know what vice it might be for you. But thoughts come into your mind, even if it's just to downplay who you are as an individual, even if it's just to break down your self-confidence of you being the productive person that you can be, that God created you to be. That's spiritual warfare. Sometimes spiritual warfare isn't always dealing with an enemy that's another person that's coming against you. Sometimes spiritual warfare is taking place right there in your own mind that you got to come. You've got to know what that word says so you can stand on it and fight back when the devil wants to tell you one thing and you know another. That's why it's important to be spiritually mature. That's why God, why Christ put all those all those offices into the church because it is supposed to be building up the body of Christ, right? Because ultimately, ultimately, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to do is be more like him. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, therefore become imitators of God, copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father and walk continually in love that is value one another, practice empathy and compassion, unselfish, unselfishly seeking the best for others. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God, meaning slayed for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. In this verse again, Paul is telling them the importance of spiritual maturity, because when you've reached the level of spiritual maturity, you really do start to show in your life how Christ walked on earth, right? It's, it's leading us back to humility. It's leading us back to humility, which is key to everything pertaining to Christ, right? How is your walk? Is it straight or is it crooked? When you think about it, when you work with others, are you showing humility and love? Are you controlling your temper? Are you watching your speech? Are you watching how you speak to the Father in prayer? Are you practicing patience? All those things, all those things show signs of maturity. And don't get me wrong, it's not that everybody's walking in everything all the time because you know we do fall short because we do live in the world even though we're not of the world. But there are certain things that are just going to get us in a certain way on certain days. But those are the days where you see, mm, God is showing me, I gotta, I gotta practice that. I gotta pay more attention to that. Because if it's the same thing that is irritating you or it's the same thing when something happens, you react the same way. He's showing you, mm -hmm. this is what you need to look at. This is what you need to pay attention to, right? Because spiritual maturity also, and this is the most important part of it, is so that we won't continue to crucify Christ. And when I say that, I say that because, like I said, not that we won't slip and fall as 
new Christians, we are going to slip and fall because you do have a tendency to go back into your old ways. But when you keep going back and keep doing the same things over and then keep getting on your knees to repent, yes, God is going to give, you know, grant you forgiveness when we fall short. But are we really falling short and taking grace for granted so that we can continue to live the way we want to before we were saved? or before we accepted salvation, that's what you have to think about. And Romans 6, 1 and 2 tells us that. What shall we say to all this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? Certainly not. How can we? The very ones who died to sin continue. How can we? The very ones who died to sin continue to live in it any longer. Meaning, If you've given your life up, if you've say, Lord, I surrender and I no longer want to be the person that I was before, why would you continue to still do what you do and say, oh, well, God will forgive me. He knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart has never changed. And if if your heart is continuing to do the same thing because out of the mouth and your actions, the heart speaks. So whatever you're doing, because Christ said where your heart is, is what you're going to follow. Right. So if you're continuing to do the same things that you used to do before over and over and over without any remorse, but oh, God will give me because we're under grace. Really? That's not a sign of maturing. That's a sign of I just wanted to get in heaven so I don't have to burn in hell and I'm going to still live the way I want to because God is going to God is going to just forgive me no matter what. No, he's going to forgive a repentant heart that is sincere not one that just says, oh, God, forgive me, and continues to do what they want to do. And if you're praying towards him, like, okay, those with addictions, I know it just came to me, those with addictions, sometimes they can't control that they want that craving of whatever the addiction is. But yes, you can. It just means that you're going to have to go through something a little harder to fight the feeling. It's not like you can't, because just as easily as you go to it, you can run from it. Because like he said, with all temptations, he gives you a way of escape. Yeah, it just may be a little harder for you physically. It may break you down physically and may even drive you crazy mentally for a moment. But if you stick with it and it's something that you really want to give up, you can do it. Because as humans, we can do whatever it is that we want to do, whether it be good or bad. When we put our mind to something and we want to do it, We will move mountains to get it done because that's what we want to do. It should be the same way when it comes to you being a mature Christian and walking your life and living your life as you say you want to. If you want to follow Christ, then follow Christ. Don't half step with it. Either be in the world or be in in Christ. Because he said he hates people that are lukewarm. You're either hot or cold. He doesn't want nothing warm. Anything warm, he's spitting you out of his mouth, right? So here, I want to end this because my time is growing short. Hebrews 6, 7 to 8. For the soil that drinks the rain, which often falls on it and produces crops useful to those, for those to benefit, it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it persistently produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and being close to being cursed and it ends up being burned. Now, do we want to be a crop that produces thorns and thistles so that we get burnt up because we're no good? Or do we want to produce fruit so that we can receive the blessing from God? And that ends op-ed. 
We're in September, everybody. Woohoo! The ninth month of the year. That means there's a new word. The new word for this month is reinvent. And reinvent means to change something so much that it appears to be entirely new. We want to reinvent ourselves because we want to present ourselves as being entirely new, right? So our promise for the week is going to be coming from Psalm 32 and 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will, con- I will counsel you who are willing to learn with my eye upon you. So right there, God is telling you, he's going to instruct you and teach you on the way that you should go to help you reach that level of maturity that you should be striving for once you've given your life over to the kingdom. Because who wants to be in a kingdom and you don't know where you're going? Don't you want to just, okay, well, now I'm here. Let me see all the benefits I could get from this. Like I said, when you start that new job, you're looking for that productivity bonus at the end of the year, but you should be, oh, let me get to this test. Let me learn everything I have to learn. So when it comes time for them to judge me on how much I should be getting, I have something to show them that I'm worthy of what they want to give me. And that ends our talk for this week. My lovelies, I want everyone to have a blessed weekend. I want everyone to continue to walk in love. And until God brings us together again next week, peace. Let me see what I'm going to play for our outgoing. Oh, it's a new song by For King and Country. What are we waiting for? Good question, my lovelies. Good questions. Have a blessed day. Keep